Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet, that's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and Game Sense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. Focus Features presents Back to Black. I want people to hear my voice and just forget their troubles. Experience the music and her story. Know this. I ain't no Spice Girl. Like never before. That's my daughter. That's my Amy. On the big screen. I want to be remembered. For just being me. Amy Winehouse. Back to Black. Directed by Sam Taylor Johnson. Rated R. Under 17. Not a minute without parent. Only in theaters May 17th. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. You know you've got a comeback in you. When you take the next step, you're going to make it count. For your career, for your family, for your life. You can earn a degree you're proud of with Purdue Global. Purdue Global is backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected and innovative public universities. This is your chance. This is your opportunity. This is your comeback. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. Hello, this is It Could Happen here daily. I'm Garrison, and today we have a special emergency uh, release episode. I know a lot of news has happened in the past week, and we will be covering that later on in this week. But this episode is going to relate to some uh, current events happening today as of the release date of this episode and stuff that could be affected in the future. So I had the opportunity last Thursday to interview some people working with the Defend the Atlanta Forest Coalition. It's a coalition of activists who are working to prevent the deforestation project going on in southeast Atlanta. Now, in the interview, they mentioned some actions on Friday that have already happened. As of recording, they did not happen. So they, they mentioned those as actions coming up. But there's also actions coming up on Tuesday, September 7th, because that's also the day that the city council is going to vote whether to continue with the deforestation project or not. So this Tuesday, there's going to be actions that if you're in Atlanta, you can be a part of. That gets talked about in the episode. So just just a heads up for timelines in case that gets a little confusing. Anyways, uh, that's enough of me talking. So here is the interview with people from the Defend the Atlanta Forest Coalition. Hello and welcome. Today we are going to be um, interviewing some people who are uh, working with and uh, help with the Atlanta Forest Defense Project that is uh, ongoing. Um, if you're unfamiliar with this, we'll learn about it here in the interview. Um, but first off, um, I, I, I have Chris here uh, to help to help me today, and I'd like to introduce the people we're talking with. Jamal, do you want to start? Yeah, so absolutely. My name is Jamal. I'm uh, working. I'm an organizer with Community Movement Builders. Uh, we do our main goal is building self-sustainable Black communities. Um, we were based. We're a place-based organization, at least for the Atlanta chapter in the Pittsburgh neighborhood of Atlanta. We do have different chapters across the country, all doing place-based work in their respective areas. Um, we are. We we have gotten onto this coalition. Um, with uh, Atlanta Forest Defense, uh, but particularly because with this particular area, you know, it's uh, while they're destroying 380 acres of land, what the purpose of doing it is to 
um, build a mock cop city, right? It's a mock city of, of Atlanta in order to essentially practice militarized warfare on the Atlanta's residents. And so um, while, you know, all of us are extremely concerned about the deforestation that's happening, the other layer of it, of what we're, what we're dealing with is also an uh, immediate threat to uh, particularly the black communities um, in Atlanta, the poor and working class black communities here in Atlanta. Yeah, hey y'all, thanks for having me on. I'm Sheza. I am one of the hub coordinators of the Atlanta chapter of the Sunrise Movement, which is a movement of young people working to stop climate change and create good jobs in the process. Um, I think that Jamal said it really well and that um, this issue with forced defense, with stopping um, this facility from being built, it really is um it really does have two prongs. It's an issue very uniquely at the intersection of racial and environmental justice, because on one hand, it's an expansion of policing in a city that does not need more police. And on the other hand, it is a systematic of unfettered capitalism and greed and exploitation that causes all this environmental devastation. So uh, I'm really excited. I think we have two really good prongs of a um, of the of the conversation and the argument against this ordinance. Yeah, and I think a lot of people don't realize how like what I like usually when I think of Atlanta, I don't think of as a as as a very like forest dense city. Um but it it it, it absolutely is. Um that's just not something that really gets highlighted a lot nationally is how how green Atlanta really really is. And um do you guys want to talk about I've so I've, I've I've never been to Atlanta. Uh do you guys want to talk about kind of how like the city is like laid out and all of like, you know, how how the forest intersects with with the city? Yeah, absolutely. So I mean, yeah, Atlanta is essentially a city that was built in the middle of a forest. <laughs> like I live, uh, I live in the Pittsburgh neighborhood in Atlanta, and um, literally, it's you know trees, green greenery all over the place. Um, I went, I come home, I'll see on my screen door there's a frog that's just chilling there. Um, so it's like it's not your typical like urban city in the, in the sense of in the, what a lot of people think of like particularly when they think of like cities in the northeast um but it really is just a city in the middle of a forest um and i think it also ties in like again talking about uh environmental racism um intersecting with you know uh, well talking about environmental racism period right and deforestation um, what we see is that because it's in the middle of a forest and what does the forest do? It protects us from flooding. It protects it protects us from all, all these different natural disasters that we're seeing across the world, uh, across the country right now, for example. But even locally, which Atlanta didn't get hit very hard by uh, the, you know, the hurricanes. But anytime it rains, my uh, like my block floods. Right. Because this uh, because, um, you know, the forest has been removed to be able to to make way for, you know, different types of infrastructure being built. From my perspective, there's been like a lot of changes to Atlanta's kind of whole economy in a, in a lot of ways the past like 10, 15 years, um, specifically mm-hmm. with the film industry moving into, uh, in, into Georgia and Atlanta specifically in the past like 20. And this, this does intersect with, with what's going on. Do, does, any, does anyone want to speak on that? I would say that, um, you know, it's really good to note that Atlanta has the um, most amount of tree coverage out of any major metropolitan area in the United States. Oh, wow. I, I, didn't, I, I didn't know that either. Yeah, when we say city in a forest, we mean city in a forest. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's definitely true. And we, we have green space. We want to preserve it. But um, the, the um, forest defense has also been highlighting, like, the ties between policing and corporate elites and corporate CEOs and people who want to move in and push development projects and something similar is happening. Um, Black Hall Studios, like you said, the expansion of like the the media industry and all of that into Atlanta, it leads to gentrification of communities. Uh, Really, really recently, Atlanta just became um, just very, I think like in the last like few weeks, we just got the data that said that Atlanta isn't a majority Black city anymore. And that's because Black lawmakers and lawmakers in the city have been making these decisions in conjunction with corporations and developers that push people out of their homes, onto the streets, and out of the city. So it's a really big problem. And our demographics have changed a lot in the last 10, 15 years because of that. And Cop City, like that 
that this development project is very reminiscent of all of this. And just to piggyback off of that, I think it's extremely important for us to recognize the connections between all of these things, right? This, this, like Cop City is a perfect blend of um, environmental justice issues, uh, just flat out racism, uh, police brutality, and also gentrification, right? It's not a, it's not a mistake that they're building this Cop City right at this moment when um, Atlanta is also becoming the fir- for the first time in I don't know how many decades, um, a non no longer majority black city because neighborhoods like Pittsburgh where we're located out of and all across Southwest and West Atlanta have becoming more like the black people have been being displaced from the, from our communities. Right. Um, so a perfect example is that with my organization, community movement builders, we, uh, purchased, we've, we've been doing work in the Pittsburgh neighborhood for a while, but we purchased a, a community house in the neighborhood about six years ago. Right. At that point, we purchased the house for $50,000, right? Um, Pittsburgh has been historically a, a poor and working class community. It was uh, it was founded as a black community, which is different from a lot of other, of other neighborhoods in Atlanta. It was founded as a black community from uh, freed Africans um, who were trying to escape some of the more rural areas of the South and found work and haven in uh, the Pittsburgh neighborhood of Atlanta. And it's been a poor and working class black community ever since. But now um, because of the gentrification that's been going on, how a house just sold maybe about a month and a half ago for $750,000. So we purchased a house at $50,000 six years ago, a house just sold um, just a few blocks away from that house. For $750,000. Now, it's not that like every house is selling for that amount, but that just shows you the rate of gentrification that's happening. And then and we know that cops uh, are a ne- necessary part of being able to further displace people from gentrifying communities. They play an integral role within gentrification. Yeah, I'm, I'm just wondering, does, does any of you have any, like, even, like, anecdotal experience with, like, basically Marvel and tons of other industries, like, invading Atlanta how is that like affected specifically? Like, you already talked about how how you know increased the increasing the film industry and other things has you know has made more gentrification. But like, how is that even affected? Just like like other types of stuff, including like like policing. Like, has has this type of like growth um, affected people or people you know in in other ways? Yeah, absolutely. So I think a lot of this kind of got I won't say it got started, but a lot of it went even uh you know escalated when tyler perry studio opened up in east point um and a lot of people you know were praising it's like oh look at this uh you know it's a black man that was able to move down and be able to start this thing within hollywood but no it's all that is one of the things that also spurred the gentrification in east point which is uh, you might not be familiar with atlanta but east point is like literally right next to atlanta so it's a lot of it's, it's, it's really close proximity. And so that also spurs over to the gentrification here in the city as well. Um, property values have gone up since that point even more. Um, even my tax bill has gone up a thousand dollars a year per a year um, for the past like three years. Jeez. Right? Um, so it's yeah, it's it's definitely we definitely see the effects. And, and you know, and just talking to, uh, you know, we do we do do a lot of work around uh, gentrification um, and I think this is in tandem with, you know, because we have COVID-19 out here now with the eviction moratorium, which has now been, you know, denied um, with, by the Supreme Court. Um, but even when there was an eviction moratorium, there were still people that were getting evicted from their homes. And I think all of this in tandem, when Atlanta specifically has already been going through a gentrification crisis. And um, with COVID-19, where people have been losing jobs left and right or not been able to go to their jobs that they've had. Um, and lo- and having uh, salaries cut, people have been hurting, and the response from the city has not to been has not been to provide more resources to people. It's been to fund cop city to be able to get more yeah. police out, who are the ones that execute the, the actual evictions themselves. And I think it all it, it, it all it all is connected in that in that type of way. Yeah, I mean, like I think if people don't know, like the reason why so many filming projects have moved to Georgia in the past decade and a half is because basically um, Georgia instituted a pretty substantial tax cut for production companies to film in Georgia. So they they would they would like not even just get a tax cut, but also a tax credit. You would actually get like you would actually get money for filming in Georgia. Um, and theoretically, this 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 can be good thing. Sorry, this 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 could strengthen local film film industry and and hire people who are already in Georgia. But in a lot of cases, they are hiring a lot of out of state workers to come in and do these big productions. 
um, including you know Marvel and, and various other film studios. I think uh, just looking uh, looking at something like it was in about in twenty in twenty sixteen there was they were supposed to have around like um, eighty five thousand jobs created, um, but only twenty five thousand of those went to people actually living in Georgia. So there is job creation, but it's a lot of people moving in from 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 people getting flown in from like New York, from California, to then. But both are taking the jobs in in the city, but also they have to like live there, so they're also eating up housing, um, and this housing is getting paid for by big corporations, which is making prices go up and up, and it's this kind of cascading problem, which is now you know even even led to this deforestation project. Um, you you you've mentioned what the deforestation project is, and you've called it like a cop city, um, and I think this is this is an extremely fascinating um, and horrifying, like dystopian, like idea. Of, don't explain like what they're actually trying to do with this with this section of forest and what they're trying to build. I do want to take a second and just kind of make a point really quickly that I think is important. Um, the Atlanta Police Foundation, which is basically the PR machine that works with the Atlanta Police Department. Um, if you look at their website, if you look at their goals, if you look at their objectives, they always say and purport um, that like, hey, we're looking to protect the city. We're looking to do all of these things. And I think it's really interesting because they're also looking to expand their police force as this cop city plan would allow, which would take about five years to develop, but is still going to be a massive expansion of policing if it were to be passed. Um, you have these people, you have these police who are saying that we are looking to expand the work that we do. We're looking to hire more officers. We're looking to put more people on the street streets. And at the same time, you have an eviction moratorium that is putting people on the street streets. And it's just really interesting that their jobs and their livelihood rely on the existence of poverty and the existence of crime in order to have in in order to have a need for more police, you need more people on the streets. In order to have a need for more police, you need more people whose doors need to be knocked on to be told, hey, you're getting evicted, you're getting pushed out of your home. So I think that is very reminiscent of the fact that police do not protect us because their the existence of their jobs rely on our poverty. Yeah, they're not they're not actually trying to help regular people who are living in Atlanta. They're yeah. trying to make other people happy who have a lot more money and who have other other things at stake. Yeah, absolutely. And that definitely intersects with a lot of this stuff. Another point to make is that who sits on the board of the Atlanta Police Foundation, right? It is all of the CEOs of the big businesses that are in the city of Atlanta, the CEO of Coca-Cola, the CEO of Chick-fil-A, the CEO of Home Depot, all of these, the major corporations the Fortune 500, Fortune 100 for most of them, uh, corporations that are that run the city of Atlanta, the corporate elite are the ones that are sitting that are uh, on the board of this uh, of the Atlanta Police Foundation, who are the ones that are building this and, and are, are funding this project so that they can protect their property um, and so that they can expand the police force. That And what we know is that police doesn't pro don't protect people, they protect property um, and they protect the corporate elite. So. I think all of those things are, you know, it comes full circle as a, a great microcosm of racial capitalism that um, is exploiting uh, poor and working class black folks in particular. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet. That's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. Me. 
Focus Features presents Back to Black. I want people to hear my voice and just forget their troubles. Experience the music and her story. Know this. I ain't no Spice Girl. Like never before. That's my daughter. That's my Amy. On the big screen. I want to be remembered. For just being me. Amy Winehouse. Back to Black. Directed by Sam Taylor Johnson. Rated R. Under 17. Not a minute without parent. Only in theaters May 17th. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. Become a part of the fast-growing health and wellness industry with an education from Trinity School of Natural Health. Trinity graduates can empower their communities through natural health principles and techniques, whether they go into practice to guide others toward their wellness goals or open a store to sell their favorite health products. Trinity grads are equipped to change lives. With 19 online programs and flexibility to fit your busy schedule, including the popular Certified Natural Health Professional, you can get the training that helps you turn your passion into a career And here's the best part. You can earn the certification in less than a year. From herbology to naturopathy and health coaching, Trinity allows you to make a meaningful difference by helping others live healthier, happier lives. Don't wait any longer to pursue your passion for natural health. Enroll today at trinityschool.org. That's trinityschool.org. Yeah, and if, if, pe- if people are unfamiliar, does anyone want to explain what the what what the project that the police are trying to build is? And I know they're teaming up with like different like prison firms and stuff as well. Like, like what is what is the actual project? Sure. So I can kind of give a broader overview, and Jamal, if I miss anything, if you want to add it in, that would be great. Um, so basically, they want to take um, ownership of 381 acres of forested land in unincorporated DeKalb County. Um, This land was once the um, old Atlanta prison farm. Before that, it was Key Plantation. And before that, it belonged to the um, Muscogee Nation and it was stolen from them. And then folks were enslaved on it and then forced into unpaid labor for prison work on it as well. So it's a land with a very scarred history. What the APF wants to do essentially is um, bulldoze a great deal of it and then build this um, training facility and mock city. Um, It's going to, the the plans currently include plans for explosives testing and uh, weapons testing and like all all of that stuff. And then I think this is a good point to make is that there have been a lot of attempts to kind of placate the public on the facility. So they say, oh, we're not going to destroy all of the land. We're going to do 150 acres or we're going to get it where we're going to cut it down to 120 acres or we'll leave this part or um, we'll create some green space as well. And we'll have like a food farm as well. But um, there was this really great environmental impact report that was done that kind of showed that um, a lot of the impacts that this would actually have in terms of um, the runoff from all of those explosives testing and things like that would um, end up polluting the South River and would pollute the very urban farm that they proposed to exist on the land itself. So that food, that those fish, all of that would become destroyed. And it's really, really, I think, helpful to just point this out as a really specific instance of environmental racism because the people who are going to be affected by that are people who live there. And of course, this is being lived near, this is being built near marginalized communities. So that's kind of what's happening. They want to, um, I live on Georgia Tech campus, just to give an example, and this facility would be larger than that or about the size of that. This facility would be about the size of um, Disneyland in California. Um, it is huge. It's a huge yeah. project. Yeah, and I'm guessing they're 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 not going to be building their explosives and military testing facility next to where all the rich people live. They're not going to be like testing yeah. out bombs where all of you know the upper class people are. Of course not. Yeah. Yeah. People keep saying Buckhead wants the facility, but they don't want it in Buckhead. So, yeah, <laughs> they they wouldn't do it there. Of course it's, not. It's not a mistake that um, all of like and even with uh, so, you know, 
with city council people who've gotten a little bit scared and nervous about our past and our current um, efforts again to be able to raise awareness about this because the other part of this is that isn't that should be highlighted is that you know city council talks about how they're trying to make this a more uh you know they're getting the input of people all of this was done before organizers exposed it without anybody knowing right there was no advertisement there's no like no calls made or no in public input about any of this happening um until organizers started you know blowing it up and that's what's gotten them scared at this point but even and then now that people do are aware of it, some a few certain uh, city council members are saying, "Okay, we're going to backtrack a little bit. Maybe you don't want it to be here um, because of this forest. We want we might want to put it in a different location." But it's important that all those proposed locations, one I think is pretty much bullshit. They're going to build it there at that location. They've already had the plans for it. But even if they were to move, all those other proposed locations are all south of I twenty. Anywhere anybody that lives or is from Atlanta. Um, knows that south of I-20 is where all of the black people live, basically. And so, and all of the poor and working class people of Atlanta uh, in the city live. So this is, so it's, it's a, so yes, they like, just, just like Sheza was saying, right? Um, Buckhead wants this, Midtown wants this, um, the richest areas of the city want this, but they don't want it for them. Yeah, <laughs> They want it to uh, police, uh, poor and working class people yeah i mean like be, be even beyond the disastrous environmental effects that building this giant but tearing down forest and building this giant concrete structure would have like it's just it, it this is gonna and, and even beyond like the increased problems with gentrification just like the further militarization of the police is I mean, like this isn't like a niche problem that gets talked about anymore. Like this is like a widely un- this is generally think something that's talk- that gets talked about a lot is how militarization of police is bad. Um, you know, even for like more like softer liberals, this is something that even they can like you know say that they agree with. Yet they're building this giant compound to make yeah. their police like some like super like SWAT team military tactical training unit. Um, and yeah, I think another point is that even if wherever it's built anywhere, like it it shouldn't be built. Like we we don't, you don't need this in the first place at all. Yeah. You don't you know beyond the forest being being you know torn down, which is horrible. You don't need this built anywhere. Like right, like that's so like in organizing against this, is is it kind of split up in between protecting the forest and organizing against the facility, or are we, or or are these things kind of just so combined that these struggles are so linked that there's really no 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 difference between between the two yeah so i think the initial coalition came pretty naturally because everybody that was in the coalition um in one way or another was against this project right we had folks that were more so on the environmental side of things we had folks uh that were more so on the uh police brutality side and um and the uh police abolition side of things um however i think all of us have in some way or another, you know, we have interest in all the all these issues are all overlaying, right? So the coalition formed because even while we might have our specialized interests in um, different areas, this particular project is one that was a, a a microcosm of so many different things that we could unite behind all of these things and be able to find a coalition to fight against it, right? Um, and I think uh, to uh, your point, Christopher, I think one thing that's also really significant is that. So my city council person uh, for is District 12, Joyce Shepard. Um, District 12 is where Pittsburgh li- is, where uh, Summerhill is, where several of uh, poor and black working class na- uh, neighborhoods of Atlanta are located. They're also the areas where they're the most uh, gentrifying areas of the city as well. And it's in, in, in city council district 12, Joyce Shepard she is the person who brought this proposal forward, right? She is over the quote-unquote public safety, um, you know, they ain't keeping shit safe, uh, quote-unquote public safety, um, you know, commission. And um, she brought this forward. And she has been, uh, since she's been in office, she has been a, uh, even, uh, she's been a champion of gentrification, right? She's been a champion of over-policing as well. Um, and I think it's a, it's a tie between even our city council or even our representation 
has in their interests of being able of of gentrifying the city because that gives them more tax dollars. It gives them a way to be able to say that they are decreasing their crime rates, et cetera, and all those all these different types of things when it's really just deplacing poor folks. Um, and so I think that's an important uh, about talking about how this kind of was established. That's an important topic to be able to address. Is that even and she's a black woman, right? So even um, you know even how like when people when when people might you think they might be in, representing your interests um, when they get to be in these positions, we have to recognize that they are not uh, necessarily for the people. Yeah, we, we we had this in Chicago too with Lightfoot, and just Lightfoot gets elected, and then immediately, like she starts putting cops in the subways, and SWAT teams are shooting people, and it's disaster. Yeah, and I would just add to that, like this is like in terms of like the question about the coalition and how these organizers and how these organizations came together, it's it's been a little it's it's been really interesting because there's like like Jamal said, there's been so many groups that have come from all of these different interests, whether it's environmental or abolitionists or um, talking about, um, you know, reimagining public safety and divesting resources from policing. You have all these people from all these different groups. And um, there was like, there there have been like different coalitions and different groups of people working together and like co-sponsoring each other on events. And I have just seen that number grow so rapidly and just and and I think that comes from a fundamental understanding that we're not fighting different fights. All of this is intertwined. This is environmental justice is intersectional to racial justice, which is intersectional to economic justice, which is just all indicative of you know the fight against unfettered greed and exploitation and all of these things. So I think that, and I and I would say that to an extent there are more like quote unquote, like moderate groups that I've seen like do things or there have been groups whose kind of whose hands have been tied a little bit and kind of have been approaching the issue through an environmental angle only to kind of avoid talking about polarizing topics like policing. But um, I think that hopefully by having coalitions like this one and by having conversations like this one, we are getting people closer and closer to the understanding that these are intersectional issues. These are issues that we should all tackle together. And in the future, when stuff like this happens, we're so much stronger when we work together. Like I can list like 15 or 20 different organizations off the top of my head who are involved in this fight in some way. And that wouldn't be possible if it was just the abolitionists or just the environmentalists because it's it all ties together. And as we do this, as we're in this process, we learn from each other and learn that these things are true. I wasn't an I, I wasn't the like most well-versed on gentrification and how it works in the city of Atlanta because I just moved here pretty recently. And like being able to have these conversations and going out and canvassing and talking to people and seeing what the streets look like and seeing what different districts look like has like vastly expanded my own knowledge of how all of this works. And it's made me like it's it's made me a better organizer and a more caring community member. So it's been really cool to see all these people from all these different backgrounds come together. And I think that, yeah, it's just been really great. Yeah. Because the effort to, the, the effort to save the forest um, and prevent the construction of the facility, because it is such a coalition effort, it's, it's multiple groups working together. How, how is yeah? How is the process of taking multiple organizations and having them all work together on the same project? Because I know that can, in my experience watching this happen in other cities, it can be very difficult. <laughs> uh, is getting different organizations to work together. Um, how yeah? How 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 have how have people managed to to uh, take all these different different organizations with different backgrounds and get them to team up for this shared cause? Um. I think it has been difficult and there have been a lot of lessons and experiences here because, I mean, um, community movement builders, for example, and while you can speak to this much better than I can, is a Black-led, Black-run group that operates in Atlanta. And there are other groups and other people who are working on this who maybe aren't as well-versed as we need to be. And honestly, an element of that is learning from each other and learning to respect, like, who should be speaking on these issues and when they should be speaking on these issues and what role each of us has to play. Um, I think one thing that I would have liked to see more is including, you know, the lower Muscogee Creek tribe and indigenous groups in this effort a little bit more, 
And I, I, I know like we've been moving on like one hell of a timeline and it's been development after development. But I think that just like when we work in coalition, when we work on groups who have different theories of change, when we work on groups who have different ideologies and different ways that they approach things, it's a really good chance for those groups to kind of come together and do what they do best, play to their strengths, but also challenge their own ideologies and their own perceptions of the world. And I've seen a lot of that in this space. And I feel like Jamal can speak to this really well too, probably better than I can in some places. No, I'll just say plus one to all of that. Um, I think that it's definitely a learning curve um, and any kind of coalition work and working with other organizations is definitely a learning curve. Um, and we are learning from each other to be able to build. But I think it's also important that um, having that coalition is important because we pull from, even from like, uh, we talk about public input, right? Or we talk about a rally that we're having. We're pulling from several different communities. We're pulling from several different areas of people who have different interests who can all make the event, the central event that much better and that much stronger. So we can make, uh, so we can push, for example, a postponement of the vote for three weeks, which has been unprecedented in Atlanta, particularly for something that has to do with policing, right? Um, so I think that uh, there was lessons learned within uh, coalition building. Um, there are always going to be challenges, but I think the other, uh, and I think the what we also learned is that it's important that you know we come into this work in a particular lane of this work, right? Um, you know, community movement builders might have had particular, uh, have a lot of experience working with um, anti police violence, right? Um, we don't have a whole lot of experience uh, with environmental justice or environmental um, uh, issues uh, or advocacy. Um, in that same type of way. So we might not be tapped in or even equipped to be able to have those types of conversations with people. Um, but we also know, but we're also a place-based organization in a area so that we also have a lot of experience talking to people in our community, knowing the people, the issues that are in our community and being able to uh, make folks uh, or have folks be aware of what's going on that affects their lives. So like a lot of this, I think is also people bringing in that information and, um, for lack of a better term, staying in their lane for what it is that their expertise is so that they can b- contribute their expertise to uh, the coalition to be able to keep on building that out, right? Yeah. What has the fight looked like so far? Like, well, what type of organizing has been done with this goal in mind the past few months or even longer? A lot of things, actually. Um, we are doing a lot of things this weekend in particular. Um, CMB is um, holding a rally in front of Coca-Cola headquarters on Friday. Sunrise is doing a People's March um, on Freedom Park Trail um, just to kind of attract pedestrian attention. There are going to be banner drops around the city and the art has played a critical role in all of this work. Um, Metro Atlanta DSA has been running canvases every weekend for the last three months. Um, we held phone banks. We held um, a really powerful people's town hall where um, basically we actually invited people up to the mic and um, said, you have two minutes. Tell us what your opinion is on Cop City and your community and how you feel about it. Because city council, the APF, they're not doing it. So we're going to give you the space to do that. And that was live streamed and made available. Um, We had um, the um, Spanish speaking community participated um, through an organization called Poder Latinx who did a bilingual panel with captioning to kind of educate folks on the issue. So a lot of it has just been going and just physically talking to people, having conversations, and then just taking action in all these really powerful ways. And a lot of that is culminating, I feel, this weekend. But yeah. Absolutely. And I think all of that has been like the, the main focus of all of this. And all of that has been built off of just talking to people. At the end of the day, um, organizing to me is recognizing power structures, talk, and but building people power and building uh, uh, ways for bringing the fight back to the masses, right? Um, so even like right before this call, uh, CMB was out flyering um, at MARTA stations, at the um, the AUC, um, and at other locations to make sure that people are aware that like this is happening. Um, and because that's the other thing, a lot of people, um, a lot more people know about it now. But particularly when it first was coming out, and the and um, even now, some people don't aren't even aware of what's going on. But um, like it's been their biggest defense has been uh, people not knowing about this, about this ordinance trying to be passed and trying to do it in under the veil of darkness. 
And the more we're able to expose them, the more we're able to get it, the the higher likelihood we are able to stop it. Um, And so um, I think, yeah, it's extremely important that when we're, when we're talking about any type of organizing, we have to bring it back to the people and uh, making sure that we're, uh, you know, you know, really living up to the words, like all power to the people. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with a king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet, that's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. Me. Focus Features presents Back to Black. I want people to hear my voice and just forget their troubles. Experience the music and her story. Know this. I ain't no spy girl. Like never before. That's my daughter. That's my Amy. On the big screen. I want to be remembered. For just being me. Amy Winehouse. Back to Black. Directed by Sam Taylor Johnson. Rated R. Under 17. Not a minute without parent. Only in theaters May 17th. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. Become a part of the fast-growing health and wellness industry with an education from Trinity School of Natural Health. Trinity graduates can empower their communities through natural health principles and techniques, whether they go into practice to guide others toward their wellness goals or open a store to sell their favorite health products. Trinity grads are equipped to change lives. With 19 online programs and flexibility to fit your busy schedule, including the popular Certified Natural Health Professional, you can get the training that helps you turn your passion into a career And here's the best part. You can earn the certification in less than a year. From herbology to naturopathy and health coaching, Trinity allows you to make a meaningful difference by helping others live healthier, happier lives. Don't wait any longer to pursue your passion for natural health. Enroll today at trinityschool.org. That's trinityschool.org. Have you seen any effect so far from the organ? I know it, 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 it's always difficult to gauge the effectiveness of any activism. Um, but have, have you seen any changes either in like, I know you mentioned like perception um, and people being aware of this project, but have you seen anything else happen um, whether on like, whether, you know, through le- the like legislative process or just through uh, like coverage? Yeah. Like what, what is kind of the yeah. effect so far? The major the major win is the is the postponement in the vote. Like this was supposed to be voted and passed. It was going to be passed three weeks ago. Yeah. Right. And for for them to delay it. And uh, frankly, they even said it. They delayed it because they were like, we're getting too much negative pressure. We want to get we want to do more public opinion. Basically, they want to put more propaganda out there for the police um, and try to have another vote when we think that we can get more people on our side because this is election season for Atlanta, too. So a lot of them are worried about their seats and they know that we've made a lot of noise about it and they've, we've got a lot of news coverage about it. We've got a lot of people talking about this. And so at this stage, they're f- afraid that, you know, they couldn't do this un- um, under the veil of darkness. And so now people know about it and are upset about it. So I think that in of itself, that's a, and again, this is the first time this is and this has happened in the city of Atlanta Um period where the city council has been scared based off of uh, community-based organizing, particularly 
when it has to come to anything that has to do with policing. Atlanta is the most surveilled city in the country, right? Um, our police force, people talk about it being the black Mecca. People talk about it being, you know, a black haven for a black Hollywood, a black ha- a haven for black folks. It is the most surveilled place in the, in the, in the country and a uh, city in the country. And it's also, and we are nowhere close to being a stranger to police brutality and police killings. Um, and we've seen that, um, you know, I can name a list of names just uh, like uh, that, you know, have been murdered by the police just in the past three years. Right. So. Yeah, I think that I mean, I think a, an organizer joke or an organizer question at this point for people who have been working on this is like, where were you August 16th? Where were you when it happened when the vote was actually pushed? Because that demonstrated a huge win for the people. It was like, you know organizers in Atlanta and this community and this like these outcries and these like just these conversations and this this anger it all culminated in this beautiful moment where they said like we can't pass this right now like we just actually can't do it for me I was at a book club meeting and I saw it on Twitter and my brain was fuzzy for the next hour because that had that had never happened before and it was just it was beautiful (laughs) and yeah yeah, and just like having these conversations is just another like impact. The story went national. Um, there was an article written for the Intercept, having conversations like this one, and just like and, and just being able to tie this to like like I've said a few times during this during this conversation, just the that culture of ex, that culture that that like okayness with extraction and exploitation of uh, land and resources and people, and being able to like take this story national and take this story to other places and say like this is what happens in communities. Look into your own and see if it's happening there. Like that is so inspiring. That that's what builds movements. So that was a really powerful win. Yeah, I think something like having having that result is incredibly rare for for something like this, right? Like that is that's not, not something that happens often, and that should be celebrated uh, based on what what you've been able to do so far. Um, what is the fight going to look like going forward in the next in the next few weeks? Um, is 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 there a date that they're planning to vote again already, or is that still kind of up in the air? Yeah, so the, they're voting in on Tuesday, right? So um, that's why, you know, we're still fighting all the way up till the end. Um, I think that at the end of the day, um, we have to recognize that, uh, you know, pressure campaigns like this are important. We have to be able to do them, but we also have to be able to put our bodies on the line to be able to just, if if the city council, because again, this isn't up to a vote of the people, this is a vote of corporate interests that are, and, and city council members who are tied to corporate interests. So they ultimately can still vote even if the people for it, even if the people don't want this to happen, right? And so I think it also has to be, even after the vote, that fight does, it, let's say if it does pass, right? We're hoping that it doesn't, but if it does pass, that means the fight doesn't end at that point. That means that our that, that the onus is then on the people for us to organize even more because that means we need bodies on the line. And that means that we have to be able to physically say, y'all not building this shit, period. Um, and that's the next step in the campaign. I'm speaking, uh, this is speaking for, you know, myself at this point. I can't speak for the whole coalition on this on this pace, but I think a lot of us are in the same are in the same boat that like after this vote, we still are in this fight, whether whatever, regardless of what the outcome is. Yeah, and there's a lot of different avenues in terms of like direct action and land defense and working more with indigenous communities on the issue and lawsuits on the environmental angle and even just the city council angle of just voting out everybody who voted yes. And there's there's a lot of different ways to take action after this. It just depends on the results of the vote that is happening on Tuesday. Yeah, yeah, that will be, yeah, it's it's. it's as you guys said, that it was going to be uh, a very serious turning point in figuring out what to do next. Um, let's let's for, for a change. Let's be optimistic uh, as just a fun practice that might. Um, <laughs> as, 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 what if um, magically? Well, no, not magically because you put in a, 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 no. a lot of a, a, a lot of hard work. But like, what if they um, do vote no and and they and they don't they don't build this project. Do you see any future for like the coalition? Like 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 having having all these groups work together, do you see you taking up any other kind of projects? Because like, you know, getting a network like this is very um 
is very uh, useful and unique um, and is, you know, at times, at times very difficult. Do you see any other kind of organizing potential for having this interconnected kind of group of people? I honestly can't see a world where we don't continue to have these conversations and we don't continue to work together and we don't continue to tap into this like beautiful system of collective care because honestly we've it, it's felt like rushing to the finish for the last three months but like after we're like focused on a particular campaign or a particular issue there's going to be other things to worry about but also I'm really hoping personally that we're going to be able to take some time to slow down and process and have conversations and talk about what does supporting each other actually mean what does supporting people in like a localized substantive intersectional manner actually look like so my hope and my wish and my um goal is is absolutely yes um i hope that we'll continue to work together in in lots of different ways on on, on lots of different projects because we don't really know what what um at least for sunrise we don't really know what we're going to focus on next but um there's definitely a lot of work to do and i think just like what's really been powerful about this many people coming together and this like demonstration of people power is that we're starting to shift the narrative the narrative that protection and um, control equals safety and understanding what safety actually means. And it's not just Sunrise and Community Movement Builders and DSA and like a couple of environmental groups. It's groups that have been doing mutual aid work, groups that have been um, directly on the ground, like, and, and groups that have been, you know, working and, and fighting in, in all of these like tangible ways to just get people access to food and water and transportation and the things that we actually need. So I think that in terms of like actually shifting the narrative and diverting resources to where they need to be diverted, coalitions are a powerful tool and I hope we'll continue to use them. Yeah, seconded to all of that. I mean, I think that while we each have our respective work, I, I speak for CMB, we are a Black radical organization that's dedicated to the liberated zone theory. And right now, our, our, our focus is organizing within the Pittsburgh neighborhood of Atlanta. But even as you can see with this issue, right, with Cop City, um, you know, Cop City isn't necessarily in the neighborhood of Pittsburgh, but it was the same APD officers that killed Rayshard Brooks in our neighborhood last year, right? So these all issues are fall under the umbrella of uh capitalism and racial capitalism which affects all of us so when it comes to these types of issues we have to work in coalitions because that's what's going to be able to make us be that much stronger because we all are affected by these uh these these intersectional systems so um i definitely think that um you know while it might not be on every single project that we work on with each other on because we all have our specialties and our, our niches of areas of work um, when it comes to intersectional issues like this that are big and that are that affect all of us in different ways, um, I could definitely I definitely see us being able to work within coalitions and continuing that uh, momentum and work that we built off with this cop city effort. Is there anything you want to say to people who are outside of Atlanta? Any way they can show support? Um, I think one thing that I can add that maybe is a little bit more generalized is um, I know that there's a lot of fear right now and there's a lot of anger right now and there's a lot of hurt right now and it feels like our rights are being attacked on every front with you know Roe v. Wade in Texas and issues like cop city and militarization and expansion of policing and the eviction moratorium and all of these things and I know that it can seem very daunting and I guess my my thing that I want to say to people is this is not the time to disengage everybody who supports and seeks to promote and who is protected by the status quo wants you to disengage. Don't do it. Come fight with us in your community, in our community, anywhere. We need you. Yeah, um, absolutely. I will yeah. double down on that point. Say, yeah, we could uh, say that again and again. Uh, that is a point that always needs to be reiterate, re reiterated more often. Yeah, uh, is there any is is there any place um, people can do any financial support from from far away that people can uh, assist either through legal funds or various other means? Yes, yeah, so I'll, I can do a few. I know for community movement builders, we have a donate page. If you go to our website, communitymovementbuilders.org, uh, there's a donate tab. You can donate directly through there. You can also donate to our cash up cash app. That's dollar sign C M B O R G C M B Org. 
Um, but also uh, Atlanta Bail Fund is also is always an important resource um, if folks are taking arrests at different direct actions at different protests. Um, I've had several comrades who have um, gone to who have who have taken arrests for very variety of, for a variety of uh, actions, and uh, we do rely on that as a source uh, for us to be able to make sure that we're still you know able to. Um, you know, live and breathe and survive another day in this capitalist, uh, racist ass um, <laughs> country that we live within. I want to plug um, donating to and supporting the Atlanta Homeless Union, um, which formed this summer and has been doing like, incredible critical work. Um, I also want to plug um, Mainline Zine on Instagram and Twitter, and uh, they have been critical in um, actual like anti-fascist news coverage and just kind of telling the truth on a lot of these issues. Fantastic. And I want to thank, thank, thank you two so much for uh, coming on to talk about um, what, what, what y'all have been working on. Um, yeah, it's, it's very important. I'm happy that more people can know about it um, in the future and th thinking, thinking less optimistic if, if they do vote to continue um, I'm hoping that we can um, get some people down to Atlanta to help with whatever direct action organizing is going to be is is going to be happening to 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 prevent this um, physically. Uh, so, uh, yeah, I mean, there's no, no matter the result, there's always going to be more struggle. <laughs> there's always going to be yep. more stuff to do. Um, yeah, and just thank thank you guys for talking about this. Absolutely, thank you for having us on. Yeah. And with that, that wraps up our talk with the wonderful folks from the Defend the Atlanta Forest Coalition. Uh, they had their plugs there that you can, uh, I recommend you following. Um, if you want to keep track on the movement specifically and what's going on, you can also check out their social medias. You can check Defend ATL Forest on Twitter. You can also check out the community uh, movement builders at Community mvt on twitter and you can find sunrise atlanta at sunrise m v m t a t l so that is the discussion stay tuned for more news on the atlanta forest and the cop city project we'll be covering this in the next few you know in the next few episodes probably in the next few weeks and if they vote yes to continue it i'm sure we'll be reporting there in person at some point Thanks for listening, and we have three-ish more episodes coming up this week, so stay tuned for that. Goodbye. It Could Happen Here is a production of Cool Zone Media. For more podcasts from Cool Zone Media, visit our website, coolzonemedia.com, or check us out on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to podcasts. You can find sources for It Could Happen Here updated monthly at coolzonemedia.com slash sources. Thanks for listening. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. Become a part of the fast-growing health and wellness industry with an education from Trinity School of Natural Health. Trinity graduates can empower their communities through natural health principles and techniques, whether they go into practice to guide others toward their wellness goals or open a store to sell their favorite health products. Trinity grads are equipped to change lives. With 19 online programs and flexibility to fit your busy schedule, including the popular Certified Natural Health Professional, you can get the training that helps you turn your passion into a career. And here's the best part. You can earn the certification in less than a year. From herbology to naturopathy and health coaching, Trinity allows you to make a meaningful difference by helping others live healthier, happier lives. Don't wait any longer to pursue your passion for natural health. Enroll today at trinityschool.org. That's trinityschool.org.
Zumo Play is your destination for endless entertainment. With a diverse lineup of 350 plus live channels, movies, and full TV series, you'll easily find something to watch right away. And the best part? It's all free. Love music? Get lost in the 90s with iHeart 90s. Dance away with hip-hop beats and more on the iHeart Radio music channels. No logins, no signups, no accounts, no hassle. So what are you waiting for? Start streaming at play.xumo.com or download from the app and Google Play stores today. All you can stream with Zumo Play. This is Malcolm Gladwell from Revisionist History. eBay Motors is here for the ride. With some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Brake kits, LED headlights, whatever you need, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. 